Absolutely. I'm going to apologize ahead of time, too. I would share this date. out, but a friend of mine does a Bible study on Telegram right now, so I'm going to share the recording. Today's date okay. is August 25th, 2023, and this is episode 36. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't fight. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went through the desert 40 nights and 40 days When he got tired and hungry His father he would pray But the devil came to Jesus Said if you want to be fed Why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread Get behind me Satan Jesus said get behind me Satan Jesus said get away from me Satan Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus to the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, the father is a golden drop. For the scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Ooh. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below and the devil gave told jesus you can't have all that you see if you will just bow down and worship me get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan jesus said get away from me satan jesus said you don't tempt the lord thy god get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this is an official Godcast. Thank God. Yes, it is Friday. I'm your host. My name is Ron Johnston, and I am here with Flightworks Mary tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest, Eric Rice. Hey, Mary, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Tell me about the beans. What's going on? Oh, the beans are on their way out there. I'm just getting ready to, I'm growing them just for the seed part. I'm not harvesting anymore. So 
my big kahuna beans are very big. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Let's talk about um, Bards Nation. Let's talk about what? Sorry. Bards Nation. Oh, okay. Sunday. What? What's or Saturday? Coffee and Jesus. Is that? Is that yeah. What? Coffee and Jesus Saturday. When's that? Saturday morning. It's at seven a.m. Pacific time. So, what is that to you? Ten. Yeah. Eastern. And we're going to yeah. be praying about Maui specifically. Yep. We're going to focus prayer on Maui on Saturday. It's usually a, a prayer in the mornings um, generally, but this tomorrow is going to be focused on Maui. So. Right on. Scott's fired up. It's going to be awesome. Yep. That can be on phone on Bards FM uh, on the Podbean app as well. So. And did you listen to Conley last night? Uh, Ezra I don't Snow. If I did or not. Ezra Snow. What? Ezra what was, was on. Ezra Snow was on. Oh yeah, that's right. I was listening. That was like I I, I might have bullied him into calling in. <laughs> of course you did. That's what you do. That's what I do. That was like part two of his testimony last night. It was it was pretty awesome. That guy he's still hard at work. Love, yeah. love hearing. You know, Ezra. and I love that uh, the Conley gave him that space to open up like that and share with us you know but conley's good like that yeah and then it's a good show and then kilt christian earlier in the week had had our old friend dustin nemos i know from the nemos news bit. network yeah for a second he's got to get him back on florida's been getting torn up with some weather so uh, nemos nemos is having a hard time activating his yeah. interweb yeah and uh what do oh, we got i got on? big news yeah tell me so i may get to meet ben fuller on sunday really yes i'm going to a rural uh it's in isle minnesota it's a rural uh christian concert festival it's throughout the weekend but i'm just going to go on sunday and it's a very small um i wouldn't say intimate but it's a smaller type of thing where you can probably meet a lot yeah. of the artists and have actual real conversations with oh. them. So I'm excited about that. We should be expecting him on the Godcast soon then giving us testimony. Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah. He's yeah. in my sights. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Hey Abby, we've we've had some we've had some really big names in here. Um next week, next week I want to talk about Pastor Holmes is going to be here. Pastor Holmes yes. is going to be here and he's going to be answering questions. It's an open forum, open forum for questions, questions and answers. So please come next week, bring your questions with you um, on salvation, on anything in the Bible. And we're going to have a good time. And then the week after that, Daryl Boyer. Yes. Daryl Boyer. Very, very excited. He's a, he's also a Christian musician. So. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yep. But tonight, our special guest. I'm really excited about this. If you guys are on Telegram, are. a lot of you guys are on Telegram. There is a page called Critical Rice Theory, which is a pretty crafty name, by the way. <laughs> and it's ran by our guest tonight, Eric Rice. Eric, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It took me about five minutes of um, your content and hearing one of your prayers, and I knew I had to have you here. <laughs> and I'm so happy you said yes. Thank you for being here. Of course. 
Of course. Yeah, this is a, this is a very special thing you guys are doing. I love the name Godcast, by the way. That's a, also a clever name. Uh, oh, critical thanks. race theory came out of a way of, you know, the, the devil uses double speak to confuse humans and things like Planned Parenthood. There's no Parenthood classes at Planned Parenthood. Right. And when I heard critical race theory, I was like, well, I'm going to flip the script on this and call it critical race theory. <laughs> Uh, and I actually used to have a, a segment I did for a few weeks uh, called Brown Rice Matters, which was all like uh, uh, all designed for health and fitness. Oh, that's awesome. But it's more than just Telegram, though. Um, you're on social media all over the place. Please tell us a little bit about where they can find you on social media. Tell us about your content, what you're usually posting. And then you've got a podcast or something. What's going on? Yeah, I'm getting ready to. So I, I never intended on any of this. I, uh, I actually used to run a social media business. I, I had an agency years ago. So I am uh, EA underscore Rice on, on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days. Um, whatever, the kid, whatever the kids are calling it. Uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Eric Rice 25. Uh, I'm on Telegram, Critical Rice Theory. I've got, uh, I put a couple episodes up for the Rice Report, which were uh, on YouTube just as a, a test run for a podcast, but I'm relaunching that. Uh, Today's the 25th. So in about 10 days, I'll be doing four days a week uh, financial breakdown and injecting how I believe God is, God is using human beings for the good and, and around the world. So uh, getting ready to launch that out. So you catch me right before I launch that. But that's definitely the next phase of my life is just getting, getting, the, getting the word out there any way I can. Oh, well, make sure when you do launch that, you let us know over here at the Godcast. We'll get you up on our Telegram page and we'll, we'll get the word spread as fast as we can. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, pleasure is ours. And, but that's not your nine to five. You have a regular nine to five. You're a working man. What do you do? I am. I'm a, I'm a growth officer at a, uh, a mid-sized oil and gas company here in Texas. So I've been an entrepreneur for years and uh, I, I literally gave everything up in, in October of December uh, or October through December. I actually transitioned myself out of my own public company, moved from uh, Los Angeles to Texas and just served for 16 months, just sharing content. I did a lot of a lot of training on things that you don't generally talk about, you know, on air. Um, but I, I started a lot of Patriot groups. I actually, at one point in time, went to grocery. I went to the grocery store right by my house every day, four months consecutively, every day, talking to people about why they should be getting their masks off. Uh, I would literally awesome. go up to the folks that were wearing it. I never wore one. I got stuff thrown at me in Los Angeles and got called all kinds of names. I actually just posted this on Telegram. Somebody brought this up. Um, but I used to go to the grocery store even. I just realized what was happening in the world. And I went to the grocery store for four hours a day for four months straight. And I would just look for the other people not wearing a mask, wait till they were passing people wearing masks, give them a high five and go good for you. And then I just watch people take their masks off. <laughs> and then months later, months later, I just used to, I started going up to people and saying, why are you, what's the point in hiding God's beauty? And at one point I had a lady that just stopped, took off her mask, and we wept together for a few minutes. It was I just typed this on a comment, so it's fresh in my mind. But uh, those were very special times, very trying times. I literally gave up everything in my life. So I've been an entrepreneur forever, but now I'm now I'm a, a growth officer at a, a fairly large oil and gas company here. Awesome. Wow. Oil man from Texas, huh? No, no, I'm just a businessman <laughs> from the Midwest. From the Midwest, uh, the that's right. The oil stuff. I just... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I help raise capital, manage investors, and make sure that we have funding in place for the company. That's kind of my role. Yeah. You know, that's so, um, when you're talking about the grocery store, uh, I had this similar situation too with uh, people, and I totally get what you mean. Like, 
their look on their faces when they finally realize, oh, I can be free. I don't have to be this way. And just the look on their faces, you know, I've, I've ran into friends during that time too, same thing. And they're like, well, you're not wearing one. I'm like, no, I'm not. And uh, just, just the look of freedom. And so I can totally see what you mean about people, you know, weeping in that case, because it's a big deal. So thank yeah, you for that. A, of course. Yeah. And I mean, I've done so many things here, just organizing local groups and and just seeing this stuff and, and, and the world was divided, really divided at that time. I, I see us coming together at this point. Uh, slowly but surely the seams are being sewn back together but at that point in time it was either you know you were a slave trapped behind a mask or you were sovereign trying to express your freedom to people and the yeah. the idea of a mask and social distancing are all occult those are all occult teachings uh, social distancing don't let the heart get too close cover god's creation with a mask and when that really seeped into my soul where i understood what was happening my wife thought I was going crazy. I mean, I was reading like at one point in time, I was reading a book a day uh, for seven months, just going you know, creature from Jekyll Island, hope of the wicked like these. I just couldn't put them down. God was just calling me to understand what was happening. And I still don't understand what's happening in the world. Um, I admit that there's many people who don't. Uh, but I got a good idea as to I don't really care. Man is confusing, right? Like man is a very confusing creature. But understanding what's happening in the spirit world and in heaven and in hell, they're both fighting against each other right now. That was really what I wanted to get to the bottom of is what was the root cause of all this chaos? And yeah. I think I have a decent picture of it, but none of us will ever know until we, until we go home. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for serving in this space. So it's been, it's honestly been the pleasure of my life. Difficult time, but it's been, uh, man, it changed my world. It yeah. changed, I just served myself for so long. It was, and I, and, you know, I ran out of all my resources at one point. I've been, God's blessed me and made me abundant again, but it is, um, it was it, it, learning to, to serve other people is absolutely the purpose of life. Yes. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and everything's about you and, and you're constantly, you know, being on TV or raising money or in meetings and, you know, people are like, Oh, this is, I'm just, I'm just a guy normally in a hoodie, you know, like uh, I'm just a guy in a hoodie. Uh, I'm, I'm just another soul that God sent here for a purpose, trying to figure it out. That's all I am. That's all we all yeah. are. Yeah. Still trying to figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, should we start with a little prayer? Please. Uh, yes, let's get started. Um, brief, but before we do that, I just want to remind everyone that's listening here live in the chat, if you have any prayer requests, please tag Mary. We're going to pray for you at the end of the show as well. Okay, do you want me to leave out in chat? I'm sorry? Should I lead prayer or should you? I lead it every day. So I usually do. Um, Please do. You know Please what? Though? I I have I listen to you on Telegram all the time. I would love to to have our listeners just get a, a a little taste of what you bring every day. Though, would you mind doing an opening prayer for us? I always wow. do the opener, but man, I, I I've got full faith in you. I've heard you. I I listen to your prayer as much as I can because you just can never get enough good prayer in your in in your daily routine. You know so. Um, yes. Well, yeah. Absolutely. If you would honor us, that'd be great. The term "good prayer" with me, but um, I, I had no idea was I what I was doing when I started. I still don't have any idea, but I'd be more than happy. To. That's a, yeah. Awesome. That's a beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You all join us in closing your eyes and bowing your head. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. Just our hearts, just pouring out with gratitude, Lord. That 
the, the people you've placed in our lives, the, the things that you've created for us, the positions you've put us in, the rooms that you've put us in. Lord, we're just grateful for everything that you've put in front of us. Lord, lead our conversation today. Fill our hearts with your light and allow us to speak, speak as, as you in this moment. Allow us to, to share our, the truth, to bear our hearts, to allow other people to see what our faith means to us. Lord, continue to protect our families, to protect our children, to watch over our souls and deliver them from evil. Lord, walk with us as we journey through life. Lead this conversation together and allow us to be able to glorify you with everything that we say. It's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, that was very much God-led. Thank you. Beautiful, my friend. Um, what else do we have? Uh, I guess uh, tonight we've got Conley. We've got Bards of M, Fishers of Men. Do we have Kilted Christian tonight? I believe so. I believe we do. Okay, so no need to go anywhere after this testimony. We're going to stay on uh, Podbean all night until we fall asleep with our phones in our hand. That's just what we do. We got great podcasts and great Jesus, bringing Jesus all night long. Uh, Friday is a fun time, Eric, because there's a um, a show that goes on at 8 o'clock and then another one that goes on at 9, and then we've got a 10.30 show and then a midnight show. So Friday is oh, really you're doing, fun. You're going to be on till midnight? Well, we this is um, we are um, the last show of Bards Nation. I would say, you know, um, we've got a, a group of podcasters here, and this this is I would definitely consider us the last show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, we've got some, and they, and they cover this is stuff that you would probably really enjoy to listen to, actually, because it's 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 all current events, um, it's everything that's going on, and it's all and it's all centered around God and His kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the blood of Christ, salvation, these are all things that we talk about on just about every podcast. And um, yeah, we, we do nothing but glorifying God from now until about one in the morning. <laughs> so I love it's, it. it's, I love it. it's a beautiful Before place to be. Wrong. People get so caught up in the news and people and, you know, what we're watching, in my opinion, because uh, I watch everything. I mean, I, I I I pay attention to everything that's happening in every nook and cranny and corner around the world, and I can and I and I and I use my lying eyes, right? What the world tells you, your eyes right. that's not accurate. This is the way it is. Yeah. I ha- I have personally in our church, I have seen personally 500 baptisms in the last two years. Of those 500, it might even be more. That's just the the, the number. I'm at least 500. This past weekend we had 70, and over half of them are over the age of 40 which is really rare. And, and I'm not a church person, so I'm not, I, have, I haven't been like this my whole life. So I don't know, but I've been asking a lot of people, is this normal to see so many people getting baptized over the age of 40? Uh, I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, <laughs> it's normally, you know, little kids or, or older people. And uh, I said, why do you think that is? I know why that is, right? But I asked them, why do you think that is? And they're like, well, I think people are just finding God. And I go, why do you think that is? Uh-huh. And they're like, because it's very easy to see the devil. And and, I, and that is part of this process we're in. But we're seeing so many people that they're either finding God or they're falling into idolatry. Yeah, you know, they're following a human. This person's going to save me. That person here, they're no one's going to save you but God. Period. Yeah. And, exactly. and and there's a time and there's an expiration date for all of us that was pre-written in heaven. And we were sent here with a mission, and we were sent here with a goal. And the purpose of our life is to figure out what it is and then do it. 
And if you're lucky enough to have that happen, if, if you're favored by God to be able to go, you know what, this is my purpose here and I'm going to serve it. You're, you're maybe the most favored, fortunate person in the world. And it's not going to turn out the way that you thought it would. It's just not, <laughs> I can tell you that watching my own journey, it's yeah. just, it's crazy. If you would have told me not, not even five years, if you'd have told me five years ago that I would be living in Texas, uh, performing a men's ministry every week, attending church every Sunday, praying every day, verbally out loud to other human beings or other human beings, uh, struggling through life to find out how to get back on my feet, getting back on my feet, um, learning to be a better father. There's no way, having you know, gone through all this crazy media stuff that I've been through and, and probably going to be more uh, if, if God sees so welcome. Uh, but at the same time, it's just, it's not, not how I pictured my life turning out. It's just, it's, if you'd asked me five years ago, it would have been a completely different story. Um, and none of that would have been involved, but I'm, I'm just thankful and grateful that we're here. Yeah. Planning is futile. There's no, there's, there's no point in planning it. He's the master planner. Just so it's like gotta... an old Hebrew, uh, proverb, right? Man plans and God laughs. <laughs> so very true. So, um, we're going to, uh, if it's okay, please, we're going to have you begin with your testimony. Is it okay if we interrupt you with questions? Please do. I, okay. I have, I'm just going to, we talked about this uh, a little bit before we got on. I, I have probably heard in the, in the last three years, I've probably heard a thousand testimonies. Really? Uh, from, from at least I, I've seen one, two, three. I have seen at least seven people I know who are hardcore atheists get baptized. Hardcore. I mean, full-on atheists. Did not believe in God. Did not believe in the devil. And I have seen those that were paganistic in their beliefs convert. Um, I have, and I've, I've, and I've seen those. And you know, I run a prayer group, and I do ministry with men, so I hear a lot of testimonies. But you know, the one thing I was just on a radio show last Friday and he was, well, tell us about yourself. And I'm like, I'm just a guy in a hoodie. You know, it's not who I am. That's important. It's what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's true. And everyone should understand that, that people are so wrapped up in themselves, but I've heard so many testimony testimonials in my life. I have never given mine. So this is the first time that I'm going to do a try to do, try to explain what I cannot explain with words, which is the worst way to explain what I feel. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So my my journey, I don't even know where it began. I can still remember being a little kid and and talking to God. I've always believed in God. Always. I denied Jesus most of my life. This is going to be difficult as we go through this. Um as a young kid, I used to always say a prayer. I was a baseball player, I'd say a prayer before I batted all the time. And for a while, I thought I was Catholic because I never went to church. My parents were, did not go to church. We did not talk scripture. I don't even know if we had a Bible growing up, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure we probably did somewhere at the house, but I never saw it. Uh, my mom would always talk about how important God is. Uh, not, not all the time, but time to time. Um, we just weren't that family. Uh, we weren't that family a lot in many different ways. Uh, my mom's side of the family is, you know, we're from the other side of the tracks. And at one point in my life, I was about 14 maybe 15. And I was, uh, I was going to a Catholic high school. I was a good athlete. So I got recruited to a Catholic high school and I loved mass. I, I still remember in order, 
uh, my first mass I attended because I hadn't been to church. I was baptized when I was like nine months old or something. I think I went to church two or three times uh, until high school, maybe two or three. And I remember all the the kids who went to church all the time going, oh, God, we've got mass, uh, you know, and I'm like, so what? It's 45 minutes. We don't have to be in class. You know, uh, this is great. And I went there and just something touched my heart. I, I loved it. Like all through high school, I loved Thursday mass. I, I don't know why. So I just kind of literally pretended I was Catholic. I've never been, you know, officially made Catholic, but I used to, you know, cross myself before I batted. And, and my mom would say, why do you do that? You didn't learn that here. And I said, well, you know, if you're going to have somebody on your side in the batter's box, might as well be God. Right. Like that was just kind of my, my feeling. Uh, and during that time, I got into an intense amount of trouble. I did um, many things that I'm so thankful there's no social media. I'm 46. So uh, if there was social media when I was in high school or college, there's no way I'd have a job today. Um, <laughs> I just did so many things that are just so dumb. I got in as much trouble as I could. Uh, later in life, my, my pastor, Pastor Greg, he actually said, he go, I was telling him a little bit about my, my past as a, I was a wild youth. And he goes, you know, if you're not having fun, then sinning's not right. <laughs> like if you're, if, you know, yes. sinning is supposed to be fun. And, um, and as I progressed through it, I went to college. I, I lost a couple of friends from a, a, a very a tough part of the world. I, I had lost a, a couple of friends that were shot, that were killed, that were in car accidents. Uh, and life just got very difficult. Um, at, at, a, at a certain point, people were just dropping like flies. And through college, I had friends that I was close with that were at different schools or didn't go to school. And I just really felt lost along the way. The only thing that was saving me was baseball. Uh, it was the only constant in my life. Everything else was a mess. Uh, I'm not a good student, despite the fact that I've done a lot of things that uh, academia people love. I actually have spoken on stages with quantum physicists and I was like a C student. I just didn't care. Um, I, I just didn't, I, I, I didn't understand how to seek pleasure in the toil. I didn't understand that. And cause it had never been taught to me. I'd never heard it before. And as I, as I started maturing and getting older, I ended up meeting my wife and we were, uh, if I can probably count on one hand, how many days we were sober the first year we were together. Um, we were just, you know, party people, right? Like we were just constantly drinking every night and just wild, wild youth. And I loved her dearly. Um, and, she, and I still love her dearly, dearly to this day. And while we were, coming through this whole thing I just a lot of bad things happened in my life a lot of death uh, i still remember going to uh, my my godfather's funeral who was who was actually executed in his living room and when we were at the funeral that was the first one i'd cried at in a long time and the reason that i cried is that the week before i was working in chicago and uh in the markets and i was a very you know everybody's a busy guy right like it's, it's got to be busy and he had called me and we used to get together. This is, this is, this is my uncle George, who was tattooed on my right arm. I loved him dearly. And he was a truck driver, just a simple guy. And I was living, you know, living in a, a glass box condo in Chicago, right on the river. And, you know, being that guy and, and a couple of days before I'd run into a friend of mine and I was wearing fancy suit and all this stuff. And he said, who are you? And, uh, and it hit me in my heart. It, it really did. Just who am I? What am I doing? This isn't, I just grew up very humble and I'm trying to act like something I'm not like most people do through their life. And he had called me the week before and he said, Hey, you want to get together and go to old country buffet? That's what we used to do. We just get together and go to some buffet and we just chow down and have fun and just talk and BS. And I made up an excuse and I lied to him and he was shot four days later. 
Okay. And um, and it hit me really hard that that I was paying attention too much to me, that I could have easily taken that time. I could have easily spent that moment with him. And uh, and when it happened, my mom called me and I was carrying two paintings. I, I bought these two fancy paintings to put in my condo. I was walking along LaSalle Street across the bridge and my phone rang. So I stopped and picked up as my mom who never called me at that time of day. She always knew that I was working. She told me he had died. And, uh, you know, we fast forward to the funeral. I took my, my girlfriend then, uh, wife in the future, and I lost it. I lost it uh, at that funeral. And when we started talking later, she said, I had never been to a funeral until I met you. And at that point, she'd probably been to like a dozen with me at that time. So it was a difficult time, but it was a time where God was speaking to me. When I, when I reflect back on, when anyone reflects back on how God found them, because he finds you, you do not find him. You can search all you like until he, go, until he reaches down and touches you and says, I'm here for you. And as I reflect back, I, I think of these times in my life, God, I've never done this before. I'm so sorry if I get emotional. I've never done this. Oh, oh, never be sorry. This is totally a Holy Spirit thing happening right now. So never be sorry for that. Just continue. You know, God's got it. So thank you. One of those things where when I'm, I'm, I'm ministering to, to men and they, they talk about the trials they're going through, I talk about my trials. The one thing I've learned along the way is this isn't a trial. This is a classroom. You know, you are supposed to learn something in this moment. And before getting on air here, I wanted to reflect back on all these moments because a few years later, my mother passed away and that she passed away on December 30th. And I got a call from her when I was in California. She was in Indiana. And I got a call from her. I had I didn't know anything. I didn't know that she was in the hospice. My dad didn't tell me he didn't want to disturb me. I wish he would have. Um, I love my father. He lives a mile and a half away from me now. And uh, he's he's like my best friend. And when she called me, she she was delusional. She didn't remember anything. She couldn't. I'd watch my grandfather die and go through this. And when my mother passed away, it's when everything really elevated. I could feel I could feel something happen when my uncle passed because I just became a little bit better person. Um, and when my mom passed, I, I lost it for a little while. Um, you know, I literally went out and where I'm from. When your parents die, all your friends meet up with you and. You go to the bar and, and you and you can't refuse a drink, right? Like that's that's part of the process. You cannot refuse a drink. And I was just out of my mind drunk. I mean, that's I, I, I hate to say it these days, but it's my testimony and it's my life and that's the truth. And I was out of my mind drunk, surrounded by friends, and I just decided to pick a fight with everyone in the bar. I don't do that. That's just not part of my character. And you know, I got slammed into a bar and all this. Other, I didn't remember anything. I woke up the next morning and I go, did I slip on the ice? You know, Chicago in January. And they're like, what? And when I heard the story of what I had done, the shame that overcame me was unbelievable. How foolish and selfish I was. Uh, I haven't really drank since then. Um, it's really, so I've completely eliminated that from my life. I mean, I drank on New Year's Eve, but um, it was one of those, that was God waking me up going, don't be a fool. You know, I could, I could feel it. And, and then I started, you know, then we moved to California and a uh, very difficult situation to begin with. I had a lot of, a lot of good businesses out there and met a lot of people. 
And I never really connected with anyone. I, I was just missing this connection with anyone. You know, I played poker for a year for a living. And my wife said, you can either play poker or be married. It was a pretty easy decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was good at it. Uh, and I still love playing the game. But as I moved forward through time, I started looking at all of these moments. You know, I had I had built a really good business at one point that a regulation change collapsed it in a heartbeat and I lost everything, uh, including friends everywhere. I was alone again. I had gone through all of these, build it up, people come along, things happen, it, you know, then they're gone. And uh, when I was in California, when my mother died, I was actually at an Arby's with my wife's family. And I felt so guilty for so long that I wasn't there when she passed, that I was enjoying myself, um, you know, around Christmas time with my wife's family. It was just that year, you know, we rotated years of which family we went to. And as I was dealing with the guilt and the shame, I was trying to do it with anger and rage. I was trying to, you know, overachieve, you know, that my, I thought that achievement would get rid of it. I thought that fame would get rid of it. I thought that notoriety or success or anything and all those things kind of happened you know to to us I'm, I'm not a famous person or anything but I, I was well known in what i did and none of it filled a void none of it and i still remember trying to balance myself out like music's very important um like the music you played before this like worship music has become a very integral part of my life uh, when i understood the purpose of the other music uh which is part of the journey as well and i was just listening to things that would like if I was feeling sad, I would make myself feel angry. If I was feeling guilty, I would overdo, you know, my pleasures, right? Just to forego. I was just, I was running from my life. I was running from my emotions. I was running from God. That's what was happening. So when I had a chance to to prepare for this and think through all these, and I could literally go on with a litany list for a thousand years of of all the mistakes that I've made, all the sins I've committed, all of the all of the pain that I've created in my life and all of the burdens that I've carried. And ironically, for someone who's a believer, years later, I had another company and the first person, it was, it was in quantum biology, which I didn't know anything about. I just knew this technology was amazing and I wanted to take it you know, to the market. And I was sitting around saying, you know, this is way over my pay grade to understand quantum physics. It's just way over my pay grade. So I actually hired a guy out of Australia who's a friend of mine uh, as, a, as an intuition coach. That's what he does. He helps you in his world. And, and it's funny because in the Christian world, they say, oh, that was paganistic. Maybe, um, you know, it's your opinion. What he did was lead me to God, closer to God. So, yeah, teaching people, they're, they're, you know, because there's people who say, don't trust your gut, trust God. Well, who, where, where, what does the gut come from? Where does your right. gut, speak? that's the yeah. Holy Spirit. You have to learn yeah. how to listen to it. That's right. Yes. So I went through this literally every day I went to him. He said, why, why do you want me? Why do you want to hire me? And I said, because I'm not prepared for what's to come. And I had no idea what I was talking about. I thought it was about the business. Uh, it was actually God was preparing for the, me for these very moments. And I said, um, you know, I need your help. Uh, I've seen what you've done with athletes and some of the other people. I need your help. I need you full time. So for a year and a half, I would go into work at about 830. I would sit in a room with him and and break down a lot of the things that happen in my life and i know we only have an hour i'm trying to be trying to be cautious of that you're good um i literally cried every day and i don't care if anyone says oh it's it's the truth uh he taught me how to see things that i couldn't see before because i was just blinded by earthly pleasures desires guilt and shame and he helped me understand that at the core of my soul 
the word burden. The word burden was the was the one thing that I couldn't shake. You know, I was the kid that uh, mom and dad would fight, and I felt it like it was my fault. Um, I always took on everyone else's burden. I was born very empathic, where I can feel people when I talk to them. And where I grew up, that doesn't last. You know, it's not, that's not a that's not a thing that you want to uh, carry with you. So I learned how to bury it for a very long time, and he kind of brought that out of me, which is the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what that is. And through that learning, I learned that the word burden is something that I carried with me quite a bit, the burden of guilt, the burden of shame, the burden of all these burdens. Yeah. And ultimately, I learned how to surrender to God and give them to him and to be able to say, you know, I can carry this cross. And I still remember losing that business in California and being on my knees. So like such an idiot, I got on my, again, I've always believed in God and I got on my knees and I said, God, is this all you have? That's, that's how arrogant I was in life, that I literally said, I have just lost everything materially in the world. And I challenged him to make it worse. And he did. And I didn't know for about two years that I had cursed myself <laughs> by challenging God. Instead of saying, you know what, things are really bad right now. Let me surrender it to you, Lord. Let me put it on your plate. Let me just move with you. Let me just understand that this is the life you've given me and there's a purpose behind it. And how can I learn and how much can I learn? And what did you learn is a statement that I'll never shake. Um, I gave my mother's eulogy and it began with, what did you learn? And she used to ask me that question all the time. It's so annoyingly. What did you learn? I would go to school. What did you learn? I would play baseball. What did you learn? I'd go four for four. What did you learn? What do you mean? What did I learn? I was four for four. What did you learn? Could you have done better? Uh, I would get in a fight with a kid. What did you learn? A kid would beat me up. What did you learn? And her eulogy was, what did you learn? You know, I would ask people, what did you learn from her life? What did I learn from her life? What did I carry from her life? And she's so important. She's tattooed on my chest. She's so important to me. I actually was, I was listening. A friend of mine uh, sent me a song today that reminds me a lot of my mom. And I was listening to my car today. Uh, it's weird how God works like this, right? Like the, the mask story I just commented a few minutes ago. And, and I'm talking about my mom. And my mom was just filled with, just this energy, just the spirit, just something. And she was so beautiful of a person, had so many difficulties. And she was abused as a child and she died very young and alone. And um, well, she had my father. And the one thing that she did, like I still remember as a kid, we didn't have much. And we would still go out to the store and buy pencils and pens and put them in bags with paper and give them to kids who had less. And just, just a beautiful person, you know, um, she led me to God. So I'll, I'll kind of fast forward the story is that we. Um, Eric, can I ask you a question? Sure, please. Um, with, a, with a little comment, I, I totally understand what you're saying about the music and, and those that know me here too can relate to that about how that can just pierce your, pierce your soul, you know? And I was just curious what song that was that if you remember. For my mom? Yeah. Uh, it was actually a friend of mine that was listening to Tupac and the song okay. Dear Mama by Tupac. Um, okay. It gets me because, you know, we didn't have much. We, 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 didn't, we didn't need anything. Uh, you know, we had everything we needed. We had some stuff of what we wanted, but we struggled quite a bit. Um, I'm going to have to get a power cord here in a second. You have to get <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we weren't, we weren't dirt poor or anything like that, but we, we certainly didn't have the world. 
And when I made my first real amount of money, the first thing I did was I bought my mom a diamond necklace. And there's a part in the song where uh, he says, uh, I love <clears throat> you guys got me. He says, uh, I love paying rent when the rents do. I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you. And it just, it kills me um, every time I hear it. And more importantly is the, uh, the where he talks about uh, in the song that, um, you know, no matter what's happening, you always took care of me. And she was always like that. She took care of us very well. Um, but that was the song, Dear Mama by Tupac. Uh, right. Out of all the songs, which is most people would probably never even guess that I'm listening to. Yeah. I, I love Tupac. I thought he was it, great. It's amazing how it can be anything, you know, that might surprise you. And I wanted yeah. to share something really quick with you, too, about the emotions. Somebody in chat um, posted this while you were talking, and I just thought it was very profound. And I and I think it might encourage you. And they said emotions are because the of the greatness of God explanation point, how God has worked in your life should make you emotional explanation point. Yes. And no, that I... is, that's true, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I do that too, where it's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying, but it's like, yeah, we, 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 that's God's greatness. That's working at work in us and that's evidence of it. So, um, just well, continue, guess, but thank you. I guess cause I'm, I'm not a lifer. Um, I, I'm still amazed that he knows who I am um, and that he still cares about me. Jeez, um, ah, thank you. That's whoever made that comment. Thank you. That definitely helped in the moment. I'm just, uh, I guess I'm just a Midwesterner man. I'm in my 40s. I grew up in a different generation where men don't show emotion. Um, and, I'm, and I'm generally the strong, calm one that uh, is helping other people. This is a very unusual uh, circumstance for me to be on this side of the table. Um, but yeah, going through the the next few years, you know, I'll, I'll save you some of the the trials. I mean, I guess the the easiest thing to say is to admit that I'm a, a was a tremendous sinner. I had a lot of fun doing it. I really just I've always cared about other people, but I cared about myself more. Um, I cared about my family more than anything, more than myself. Uh, I love my sister, love my dad, love my mother. Still love my mother. She's still alive. She's just not here, and um, she's in a much better place. She's in a lot of pain. And as as we we kind of approach this time where I'm, I'm dealing with an intuition coach and he's literally one of the things was because I wasn't I, I called myself spiritual back then right like that was what the word everyone used yeah. uh, but I was always believed in God and he used to say you know every time we meditate every time you pray or you know for you it looks like prayer and he says you always bow your head you always put your hands on your knees you always bow your head he's and he even said who's not a believer he goes God is God is watching you he he sees you and i'm like i don't even know if i believe in that you know this is like 2017 2018 and um i still remember a time where he said you know one of the things we were working through is you know why why haven't i been more successful i was kind of the the lead in and uh and he said you know the one thing you do he, he asked me really this is a really interesting question it's a learning lesson for everyone you can take it from whatever source you want but he goes um he goes, when was the last time you found money? And I go, huh? What's the, what do you mean when was the last time I found money? Because right? I, I, always, I always say, tell people, I go, listen, I don't care about money. You just need it to live. I really don't. I have no, I have no love of money. You just need it to live. And, uh, and I said, I don't know. So we, we thought we meditated for a minute. And I go, oh, my gosh. When I was 10 years old, 
I still remember being at the bowling alley. My parents used to bowl on Fridays and we're a bowling family and, and the kids would hang out and play video games and, and be by the, the shoe rack. And we went over by where all, all the lockers were one day and there was a hundred dollar bill on the ground. I had never seen a hundred dollar bill in my life. And he goes, what happened next? I go, what do you mean? You know, that's told you, I answered the question, right? And he goes, what happened next? And I go, I don't, I had to think about it. You know, this is 30 plus years ago. I was a kid. I go, oh, I remember. I actually took it to the lost and found. He goes, you did what? And I go, well, someone lost it. It wasn't mine. And I figured that they would need it. And he goes, what happened? And I, and I, had, I just, this is such a blip in my life. I didn't remember. And, uh, and I go, well, I tried to give it to the guy at the lost and found. And he, like four or five times, he said, are you sure? Are you sure you want? I go, sir, this is not mine. And I know someone's missing. I've never even seen a bill this big. Someone's definitely, I'm at a bowling alley, right? Like everybody here is pretty blue collar. Like this is a hundred dollars. Like, so I ended up giving to him. He laughed at me. I didn't know. I just remember, I remember him laughing at me and he goes, so that was the last time you found money, huh? And I go, yeah. And he goes, and you wonder why things are so hard for you right now. I said, what do you mean? And at this point he had transitioned from, you know, language. Cause, cause I told him like, I, I, live, I believe in, he's the term, it's the universe. And I'm like, that's actually God. And he goes, okay. So he started using different language with me. And he said, so God gave you a gift. And the first thing you did was you gave it away. And I said, I guess you could put it that way. And, uh, you know, it's a weird, weird story, but, um, I go, so what's the point of this Kirk? Like, what's the whole point? And he goes, the whole point is that you, you literally walk down the street and there is bounty everywhere and you just ignore it because you feel like you don't deserve it. And I said, well, I'm from humble means. I think it's a pretty normal thing. Like that, I was a, a kid with not a lot of money. I'd never seen a hundred dollar bill. So he goes, you know what I want you to do? I want you to keep your eyes open and see, you know, at this point he started, he said the, you know, the universe gave you a gift. And I go, eh, I don't know if I buy that. It's God. God gave me, it. let's just use that. Let's use that terminology. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And he goes, well, let's just keep an eye on things and see what happens. Cause I, he was teaching me how to surrender. That was that was the whole purpose. I'm just a, a warrior at, at spirit. I had to learn how to surrender to God. And in the middle of it that night, I I used to go to the grocery store at 1 a.m. I, I sleep from two to seven every day. I'm very I'm not a very good sleeper. So I used to go at like midnight or 1 a.m. when there's no one in the grocery store. And I went that night while the kids were asleep. And I pulled the the, the cart away, and underneath the wheel was nine dollars. Oh wow! No joke. And uh, it's Forgive me one second. My battery's dying. I've been texting my wife to bring me a power cord. I need oh, to go get a, give me 20 okay. seconds. Yeah, yeah, good. This is really great because now, now we are on pins and needles. We need to know what happened with the $9. <laughs> Do you think he right? turned it into the lost and found? You think so? Do you think he did? No, I think he went and bought ice cream. <laughs> That's what I think. Ice cream. That's your bet. Yeah, that's what I do. Why not donuts? Donuts? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> donuts can make me hungry. <laughs> we always talk about food on these podcasts. It's it's a rule. We have to talk about food. Right. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, that's um, good. That gave us a chance to do a little guessing game. So I, I, I pull back the cart and there was a folded up $9 underneath the wheel. No, this is not a joke in any way. And so I said, this is absolutely insane that 
at 9 a.m. this morning, we had I, somebody made me think about the last time I found money, and here's nine dollars. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I went shopping, bought my stuff. Uh, I put the nine dollars in my right back pocket. <laughs> I brought it into work the next day, and we started, uh, you know, we call it getting in tune, just meditating and and getting in the spirit. And I go, hey, you're not going to believe this. And he looked at me and he goes, I'll believe anything. <laughs> and I said. You're really not going to believe this. And to be honest with you, I was so earthly at the moment that I told myself, if he says, I told you so, I was going to fire him oh. because it would just be like, because this is, you know, back then I, le I believed in the word coincidence back then. So I told myself, if I do that, this guy is just not the right person. Right. So I go, you're not going to believe this, but look. I found $9 at the grocery store underneath the wheel of my cart. And he didn't say, I told you so. He goes, what'd you do with it? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I put it in my back pocket. And when I put it in my, I put it, he goes, why? He goes, well, I wanted to show you that I wasn't, I didn't want to use it in the groceries and be like, hey, I found $9. You didn't believe me. He goes, I'd have believed you. But you put it in your back pocket. Now I know you, Eric, uh, when you have an opportunity, you allocate things. How are you going to allocate that nine dollars and i go oh i was going to give my son five and my daughter four and he goes so you haven't learned anything in 24 hours god gave you another <laughs> gift and the first thing you did was figure out how to give it away uh, and i go what do you want me to do with this and he goes well let's just let's rewind last time you found money you were 10 years old at least that i could remember he goes if you were 10 years old and you just found nine dollars what would you have done with it and without hesitating, I said, I would have bought as many boxes of nerds as I can, because I loved nerds when I was a kid. I love nerds. Yeah. And I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> and he goes, well, then that's what you need to do with it. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. What are we doing here? We're grown men. What are we doing? And it's like these little lessons, right? Like God just put him in my life to teach me little lessons. And later that night, we were in Burbank, California. There's a really nice little, uh, like a city walk with restaurants and street performers and stuff and we had the kids there that night as a friday and we were walking uh back to our car and i just looked to the right and i was like there's a candy store there and my wife's like the kids don't need any candy and i'm like you know today they're gonna get some i gotta go do something and she goes what and i go i have to go buy some nerds <laughs> <laughs> well i was close yeah. ice cream nerds <laughs> she goes she goes, you are out of your mind, which is like anything God does. You know, I, I tell myself I'm about to have another what the hell was he thinking moment. Um, <laughs> they just kind of happen. And I uh, I walked in. I, I went and bought nerds. This is not a joke as well. I have pictures to verify this with dates. And my wife saw this whole thing. I, I bought my kids candy with a separate $20 bill. I had I had eight dollars in nerds, so I knew the California so the taxes make it one hundred and seventy two dollars. But at the same time, it was eight dollars. And I put them up in the counter. I pulled out the nine dollars. I looked down, and there was a twenty dollar bill underneath my foot. I kid you not, it is what? the strangest thing. And so you bought I another know, twenty worth of nerds, right? <laughs> and my first my first instinct was, of course, to give it away. This yeah, it was to, this must be long. To the person before me or to the small business owner who really probably needs this $20. And at that time in my life, I did not. And I go, and all I thought, all I heard in my head was my mother going, what did you learn? 
So I picked up the 20, I put it in my pocket, I walked out with my candy. My life has honestly been different since then. Uh, (laughs) And this is probably like 2019. And uh, so I've been through these little, little exercises along the way. And then of course, 2020 hit. And uh, when the pandemic hit, I was in New York City, I was in Manhattan. Um, I was out there raising money for a business venture. And uh, along with the word burden in my life, I had been working on the word trust. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust myself. Um, that's the biggest thing people don't understand is, you know, there, cause there's the, there's the staunch scriptural list that says, you know, you should never trust yourself. You should only trust God. Well, if you trust God, you should trust yourself because he's leading you. And I had to learn how to trust myself. So when the pandemic hit, I was in Manhattan. I saw the whole craziness there. I went to a four-star restaurant. I was the only customer in a restaurant in New York City, four-star, I was the only one, and I would not wear a mask. And this was right when it all began, like literally the day of the announcement, or whatever date that was, like the 20th or whatever it was of March. 17th, and every, yeah. everyone was scared. You know, my, my wife and my kids were like, dad, come home. And I'm like, guys, I'm gonna be fine. My flight's in a couple of days. It's gonna be fine. I have work to do. And it just started, gr- I could feel like a, I could feel the heaviness of darkness coming over. Like I could feel it. And, and I started to get scared, even though, you know, I, I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So I've read all the books at this time. And I knew that a pandemic would be used for all these things. And not that it made me any more comforted, to be honest with you, it was scary. I don't care it, if anyone tells you that they weren't shaken by that event, they're lying. And, and that's the truth. And I, uh, I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? I had a, a little, a little, little, little Asian lady came up to me and offered me a mask. Do you want to, I'm like, no, I don't need a mask. I'll, I'll be fine. There's like 40 people in Madison Avenue. I've been in Madison Avenue a million times. There's usually like 40,000 people. It was, it was, that part was scaring me. It was like the walking dead. It was just right. nothing in New York. Right. And I, I just looked back and I was like, you know what? I think this is where I need to trust myself and I need to trust the way I'm being led. Uh, and I was not a believer at this time. And um, so I literally was standing in front of a tattoo parlor. And the first thing I did was I turned around. I went to the tattoo parlor. It was open. Everything else was closed. And I said, is there anyone in here? And, you know, just literally, hey, is there anyone in here? And it was one guy who was closing up shop. And I go, hey, I'd like to get a tattoo. And he's like, are you serious? <laughs> he goes, I go, yeah. If, if You know, the media is telling me we're all going to die. So I might as well get this over with. I've been wanting to get this tattoo for about nine months now. And, um, you know, are you willing to do it? He goes, you want to open up your blood in the middle of a pandemic? I go, yep, that's exactly what I want to do. While everyone else is fearful, I'm going to be brave. And I was scared. Like, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, you know, totally oblivious to the fact that it could be dangerous to me. And I had him tattoo the word trust on my left arm because I always see my arm when I use my left hand for a lot of things. I wanted to see the word trust consistently. <clears throat> and I had him write, I had a, a friend of mine that used to always say, God is alegria, uh, which is either Portuguese or Spanish for joy. God is joy. So I got trust, alegria tattooed on my arm, as you can see it right here. Nice. And during the pandemic. And then I got back and you know, I was running a company. I had 44 employees in a lab. They were all shaken. I never made anyone wear a mask. Matter of fact, the Burbank police came to my door telling me to, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, this is my property. You're not going to tell me what to do inside of my own property. And I'd been through that whole thing. Months and months passed, not months. I shouldn't say weeks passed. And then I just got hit with something. 
like a, like a, a, a mountain of bricks. And I've, I've always been a pretty avid reader. I love learning things. I've, I'm a, a relentless learner. I, and I love reading things that are out there, right? Alien stuff, things about spirituality, God, all these. I've always loved, I've been fascinated with my whole, don't know why my whole life. And I started, uh, I started just really dialing in to see what was happening, calling people, started driving over to people's offices and houses, houses were still open or willing to meet with another human without a mask on. And this, this whole pandemic thing just really started creating so much fear in people. And I remember seeing a sign in someone's house in Glendale, California, in their front yard, which I actually have that sign. Well, I had it until our last storm, but it was there for about a year and it got blown away. And it just said faith over fear. And I didn't find that to be coincidental at all at that moment. So for me, I, I was trying to understand what was happening in the world. And when you realize that, and I know a lot of people, guys, I know a lot of people. And I started calling everybody and asking them stuff. And, you know, some people are like, that's crazy. I don't want to hear that. And I'm like, the world is not run by God. You know, I started really getting into the Bible. I read the Bible in high school for Catholic school and all that stuff, but I didn't really read it for my own, my own joy, enjoyment or pleasure. And I really started getting into it and understanding that we live in Satan's world, right? He's the prince of this world. Yes. And when you really get into the darkness, I said, you know, look at the things that people are doing, like abortion, all these things that weren't really topics I ever discussed with people. To be honest, I mean, I was in California, so uh, it's not like anyone talks deep there. I'm a deep talker, a deep thinker. I love it. I at this stage in my life, if you talk shallow around me, I will close the door behind you. I do not have time to talk about the weather. And I just got to this point where I had to understand why these things were happening in the world. And, and if I'm being totally honest, I had to understand why they attack children. Why this attack on children? Why children go missing? Why, you wanna, why do you want to abort babies? And, you start, and I started really researching. This is like early 2020. And I started looking at lawsuits, which is a great way to research anything. When something happens, I want to know who sues to make it different. And when I started looking at every time an abortion law changed, the first lawsuit was filed by the first temple of Satan. And it was filed under the complaint of a violation of their religious right to child sacrifice. And man, did that hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I have two beautiful children, never for one minute. What I've ever, I have a 17-year-old dog right now that I'm battling putting down. She can't walk. She can't go to the bathroom without us carrying her. I just can't play God. And I don't know how anyone else could. And, I, and I'm going to I'm gonna have to put her down. It's better for her. But I remember at that point in time thinking, good Lord, how dark is this world? And I started reading books on the occult. And I started understanding that these things that happen to children that obviously I'm not going to talk about today, but we all know that children are targets of darkness now. And I didn't know why. And I started reading a book called Hope of the Wicked uh, by Ted Flynn, Pastor Ted Flynn. Uh, I'm actually doing a podcast on Monday with a group about this book. And all of you should look at it because it's never been reprinted since, since 2000. Really good breakdown of Marxism. And in the middle of the Marxism, it talks about the darkness of the occult and how the occult actually lead, like Marxism is Satanism. It is the same thing. Yeah. What's the name of the book again? Hope of the Wicked. Okay. I'll, I'll put that it's only available show. used and on Amazon. So I, and I'm probably personally responsible for about 200 copies being sold. When I ordered my copy, there was only two available. Um, so I never reprinted it or made it audio. Um, interesting guy too, Ted Flynn, great guy. So as I'm reading this book, I, I started to understand that he, he put in, I don't remember, I don't, actually don't remember if it was his book or not, but one of the books I read on the occult 
uh, I noticed two things. Number one, that the purpose of the occult was to steal innocence. And no one's more innocent than a child. And I started putting these things together and saying, that's why they're doing it. They're actually feeding the darkness, which gives them earthly power. And then I started tying it together. And I said, why the innocent? What's innocent and so important? And of course, in the Bible, it states that only those who are as innocent as a child shall enter my kingdom. And then I started looking at the world. I'm sorry, I get a little choked up with this because I have kids. And I started looking at the world and I'm like, from the moment we open our eyes to the moment we go to sleep, and sometimes while we're sleeping, the world is just trying to steal our innocence. Yeah. And I used to give workshops on imagination. I used to say, like, I, and, and ironically, for 15 years, I've been talking about information overload, which is a huge problem in the world. But I used to give these workshops on information overload and imagination, how the imagination is a gift from God. And it keeps you young and the world is designed to steal it right like we don't sit in the woods and imagine things anymore we watch a tv that tells us the way things are and i started seeing this really clearly and then i started reading more books uh, about the occult and their practices and the thing i noticed in there guys was so incredible the occult don't curse god in their doctrine they curse jesus they curse the name of Jesus, who I didn't believe in because I know all the stories of the 17 other people throughout history, or 22 of them that were born of a virgin that died at 33 and all these things. And it just, and I don't even know if those are real, right? So we, we don't know. We don't know what history is at this point. It's his story. It's told by the winner of battles. So as I was reading through this, it really hit me. And it just like a ton of bricks, like, wow, they hate Jesus and demons run. They don't run. And you can say, God commands you to leave. That won't work. Jesus commands you to leave. We'll eliminate yes. the demon. Yes. Now, mind you, I'd been to church with my wife. Maybe um, she's, she's, I thought I was a Catholic. Um, and, and she went to church with her family sometimes. So we tried to go to church a few times as married people. And it's, it's my testimony. I'm going to tell the truth. So for much of my life, I used to get angry at church when I would go there. I got angry because the churches we went to weren't good ones. They literally hit you up for money. The first thing they said was, hey, the donation box is open. I'm like, maybe hello, you know, maybe a, <laughs> yeah. maybe a prayer before you hit us up. And then I used to leave church and she would go, you know, I thought that was great. And I was like, yeah, it was okay. And she'd go, why is that? And I go, well, the whole thing was about Jesus, the whole sermon. Why are all of you people praying to the vice president? <laughs> yeah. I used to say that. Like I, I, I used to say that and believe it. And, and it was, it was out loud. It wasn't like I hid it from anyone. I said that. And then I, you'll go through the whole trials. I mean, I literally wouldn't wear a mask. I had people throwing at me, cursing me, all these things. Uh, and I just grew really close to a few people that were like me. And I started thinking to myself, if the occult hate Jesus, he must be real. Yeah. Right? Like I just, that, that was just, I mean, you could read anything, anything. It's the name of Jesus. They hate the name of Jesus. And they put it in their books. It's not in our books. It's in theirs. Because I study my enemy thoroughly. I, I do not care about studying my side. I want to understand my enemy. I'm very much an art of war guy. And I looked at my wife. I, I, I looked at her and I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to Texas tomorrow because I was trying to take my company private. And I'd just been going through some stuff. I mean, I, I went to my office every day in the pandemic. 
every day. I didn't miss a day where I had a company to run, you know, publicly traded company. I had to do something. Everyone else was remote. But I found myself spending a significant amount of time just reading, researching, seeing what's going on in the world. And then eventually just started praying, which was very weird for me at the time because I was learning to meditate, which is prayer. You know, Jesus meditated. I hate when people say that's no, Jesus meditated. Meditation is where you find God is in silence and solitude. That is where you find God. And I had silence and solitude. I, it was just me in a 10,000 square foot office space. It was just me. And half of my time I was wasting it and the other time, half of the time I was learning and I was praying. So I flew to Texas uh, to meet with um, a businessman here, a billionaire here to see if he would be interested in taking my company public. He wasn't. Uh, he offered me a job, which I took uh, at a genomics lab where I found out in a couple of months that they were literally using genomics to sell to the Chinese, which I immediately quit. Mm -hmm. But when I landed on my plane in, in, in Dallas, I had never been to Dallas, which is where I live now, but I'd never been here. And clear as day, something in my head said, you're home, right when I got off the plane. So I went to these meetings for two days. It didn't work out. I did something I don't do. I lied to my wife. I called her and I said, hey, I've got, it didn't work out. I'm going to meet with a couple other people. But what I was really doing was driving around neighborhoods and I was watching kids playing football. My kids, my kid, the last thing my kid did outside, he had to wear a mask at a baseball game. And I was in Los Angeles and literally a guy got stabbed at that field and squad cars crashed in. So it was just a blessing to see these kids out playing football, riding their bikes, going to school, none of them wearing masks. And, and I just kept hearing that you're home, you're home. I'm not home. I'm in Dallas. I live in, in Burbank, California. So I, I started putting together a PowerPoint presentation on my computer on the plane as I flew back. And I was wrapping it up uh, the day I got back and I waited for the kids to go to bed. And I was going to go into the living room and say, you know, babe, we need to move to Texas. And here's why. And before I even walked into the room, she turned her head and she goes, babe, I think we should move to Texas. <laughs> no way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, like it, <laughs> wow. so crazy. So I said, okay, you know, my whole life, I mean, I, just, I can pack up and move anytime. I've always been at peace with that. I, I went to seven colleges, so I'm pretty used to moving. And, you know, we, we literally got on a plane a week later. We flew out to Texas. Everyone is, is pan in the thick of the pandemic. Everyone's scared. And, you know, the kids weren't, you know, the parents were always, you know. So we're staying at this hotel and everyone in this hotel Every single person in this hotel, I'm not kidding you, was looking for a house here from Seattle, from anyone who lives in Texas will tell you. But if you are listening to this in Texas, you're getting the best of the best. You're not getting the liberals that, that want what they're getting. You're getting the people who want to escape that. And, and I think we've all made a very good impact in our community. But we're in this hotel and there was a, a restaurant open that, you, that didn't wear, make you wear a mask. So everyone went to the hotel downstairs. At one point, every table was full of couples. There was no kids just couples. So I'm a, I'm a pretty friendly person. So I eventually just said, Hey, are all of you looking for houses? Cause we've been looking for houses we find one. And within three hours we were outbid and it was just, it was amazing how fast homes were moving. And I go, just show of hands. Who's looking for a house. The whole place raised their hands. So wow. I started talking to everyone and we started hearing people from Seattle and all these other things. And, you know, I was just like, uh, out of nowhere, I said to my wife, I was like, why don't we just say a prayer that we find a house? We didn't, we've never prayed together. We didn't go to church. We, we went to church like four times. And every time I said the same thing, well, I don't understand why you pray to the vice president. I said it so many times, so regretfully, but it's the truth. And 
you know, we said a prayer and the next day uh, there's a neighborhood that we now live in that the real estate agent said, I'm not even going to take you there. There's no houses for sale. No one's selling houses. And I said, well, we'll just go on our own. We'll see what happens. There was one house for sale. It's the house I live in now. I'll, I'll ruin the story. And we knocked on the door. And before this, I was in California and my intuition coach, he just kept saying, you know, he goes, he goes, you're a very strange guy, you know? And I said, well, I thank you. I appreciate that. And he goes, uh, I go, why, why do you say that now? I don't, after all this time, he goes, because I can't figure out what you want materially. When I work with business people, I can usually say, let's visualize this home that you want or this car. Or what. I'm like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Honestly, I really, I really never have and probably never will. And so I said, well, you know, I'd love to have a, a bigger house for my family. You know, not for me. I could live in a cardboard box, but for my family, I'd love for them to have a nice home. So we did this visual, visualization exercise of a home that had a, a wraparound staircase and, and, and steeple ceilings like a church. Well, I knocked on the door, this house in Texas, and it had a wraparound staircase right when you walk in and 22 <laughs> yeah. foot steeple ceilings. And it cost about as much as a living room and a bathroom in California. It was so cheap. And I just looked at them and I said, how much are you asking for this house? They told me. And I said, you got it. And we ended up closing on the house a couple of weeks later. We had we had no problems with the loan or anything. It was just it was amazing how smooth and simple it was. And then we had to pack up and leave. So as we were getting ready to leave California, I really started getting deep into prayer and really reading the Bible quite a bit. I read the book of Enoch at that point. Uh, I was just I just I was start, God was leading. This is like 2020. God was going. Everyone around you, because like I'm a conspiracy theory guy, I've always have been. I've I've always you can you can go through a whole litany of people in my life. They'll be like that guy has always thought on the fringe, and that's what's made me successful in many ways. And I love hearing both sides of every story. I'm one of the few people in this whole movement that actually admits they don't know what's happening and loves to hear both sides of the story because somewhere in the middle is what's happening. It's true. And um, at that point in time, I was I forgot what book I was reading, but I just finished the book of Enoch. And I was reading another book that a friend of mine, because I kept seeing owls throughout my whole life. It was really weird. And like everywhere I moved, I was in San Diego and I bought my puppy who's about ready to leave us here uh, when she was a puppy 17 years ago. And she um, she was very, very tiny. I took her to the, to the bathroom. I could hear her swooping and I thought it was a hawk coming down at night. And it ended up being a snow owl, like went right over my head in San Diego, a snow owl, a pure white snow owl. When I was in Burbank, there was a huge owl that was sitting on the power line while I was sitting on my back porch. And I literally just made eye contact with it for whatever. So I was reading some book about owl encounters and what they mean. It was some really goofy. And, and then I started hearing hooing, which makes no sense because an owl, I live two miles from an airport. Owls do not go near airports because they have really good hearing and the, the frequencies mess with their hearing. So they don't go near them. So I went outside and there's an owl up on, on the lamppost. I mean, that's really weird. And then, of course, you know, owl, owl is whatever, whatever you want it to be. I think, you know, there's people say, oh, that's the occult hunting you or that's this, you know, everyone's on, on edge about things. And, you know, an owl was made by God. Let's just get that out there. Like all creatures on this earth, the devil cannot create all creatures were for God. So I go, that's really weird. I took a picture of it. I can verify all this. I took a picture of it. It was about three in the morning, two in the morning. I go back in. I keep reading. I hear two owls howling, hooing. I go outside, there's two of them. And then a third one, one on my roof. This is this is hours before I left California. 
So I leave California. I'm telling my family, you know, like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever encountered. We get to our home. We have no furniture. We have nothing. The truck won't be here for a week. We literally have blow up mattresses and like four days worth of clothes. So we're sleeping in our media room on, on the floor. And my, I, on my eyes, I hear hooing. And I go outside and there's an owl perched right up on my roof in my backyard. Oh boy. What is going on? Later. Two weeks later, school begins. My kids haven't been in person school in a long time, so they're really nervous. And we're driving to school, and my daughter's nervous going to grade school. My son's going to middle school at the time. And my daughter goes, Dad, look. You know, and, and first of all, they were kind of amazed because we come from LA and there's like farms here and stuff. And they had the hay rolled up. And on top of one of the rolled up uh, hay bales, there was a big barn owl with his wings perching at 7.30 in the morning, just waving his wings at us on the way to school. And my and I told my kids I don't I don't hide my weirdness from them the things that happen the, these spiritual things are just unexplainable I don't know I still to this day do not know what it means I don't even know why I'm telling the story but it's part of the story <laughs> and uh, and along the way I just started thinking like what in the world is going on here so you know I don't know what that means I always throw that out there with people like what does that mean have you encountered this before and and the the little guy who who that day has been here probably every couple of months since then and just just feels like God's checking in on me uh other people say they're downloading wisdom to you and all kinds of crazies I don't know there's just owls and and mm-hmm. it was something God did and because I, I still remember like Clash of the Titans didn't he have a mechanical owl that led his way or one of those movies yep and I just kind of, you know, I talked to one guy who who's a big believer and he goes, it's just God telling you in the right spot, Eric, it's pretty simple. And I go, oh, okay, I'll take that one. That's, uh, you know, I'm an Occam's razor guy. The simplest answer is usually the best. And uh, I don't even know why, how I got into the owl story. But as we moved here, I said, let's look for a church because while I was in California, I was getting real spiritual. Um, you know, I had been to a, a, a very spiritual night, one night, all night. And as I drove home, I stopped in the in the weeping booth in a Catholic church, just randomly on the way home. And I lost it. I just started crying, just weeping for a long time. And uh, the priest came. It was weird because I was trying to learn how to surrender. And it was actually a Filipino uh, Catholic church. So I didn't understand what they were saying. But I could see the the, the priest constantly putting his hands out and then lifting them up above his head. And, and then there was a, a translation book there and there was a little thing you could push. And I just actually went outside and I said, what, what is he doing with his hands? And she said, what he's saying in, in, in uh, Tagalog is that when things are going wrong in your life, you need to, to huddle them together and to surrender them to God. So I just went through a whole long night learning how to surrender. And here I walk into a church teaching me to surrender. And I was just, my eyes were just opening. I could just feel God just like, peeling scales and and lifting weight and i went home to my kids and i go we need to go to church Hmm. and that was when they that was literally the moment they closed them down so no more churches will be open los angeles they're closed you could go get beer you could go to a strip club but you could not go to church that was right before i flew to texas and that's why i was like hey we need to leave here and i wasn't a church person Mm -hmm. i wasn't even a bible person at the time so we get out here and we're looking for a church and I, I go, my, my wife, <laughs> I'm a good husband. You know, we get furniture. I just pay for it. I don't have an opinion. I just let her do it. And, you know, like when anything happens, I, I just, you know, happy wife, happy life. And I just, I just said, hey, listen, we need a church. And I think, 
the one right by our house. I drove by it today and it just feels right to me. And she goes, no, 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 it's not. And people don't go, they go to this one, they go that. I go, let's go try it. So we walked into one church, Gateway Church out here. Um, people were wearing masks. They asked me to wear a mask. I politely declined a thousand times. I would not wear it. I understood that that is an occult practice. I told them it's an occult practice and this is supposed to be a house of God. So I will not be wearing one of these. And then they had every seat, had a, every other seat had a garbage bag and there was a big TV screen. And I go, where's, where's the pastor? And then this video screen came on of a pastor broadcasting herself into the church from 40 miles away. And I just looked at my wife, I go, we got to go, but I'm not going to leave the house of God right now. We're going to finish this sermon. We're never coming back. We had that same example in like three different churches and she was getting ready to, you know, hang it up. And I said, nope, we're going to Rock Creek, which is right by my house. And we walked in, they didn't say anything about a mask. There was about 80 people in there. I wanted a small church. I'm not interested in the mega churches. I don't actually believe that they teach God's word effectively. I am a two or more. Uh, I am, I'm just getting ready to launch two or more studios and do my podcast through my own, be my own man. And it's all about two or more churches everywhere in church right now. That's right. All of us. Yep. We are yes. in church. We are talking yes. about God. We, we are the church. We yes. are the church. Yes. And, and people forget that we're a royal priesthood, that we're supposed, we're commanded to speak eloquently and to speak life into people while the whole world speaks death into others. And we walked in there and pa Pastor Greg, who's become a really good friend of mine, he was given a sermon. He talked about Michael Jordan. And I was a, I, I won a contest. I'm from Chicago. So I, was, I won a, a contest when I was in eighth grade to be a ball boy for the Bulls. And my son loved Michael Jordan because I love Michael Jordan. And I'm like, wow, this church is talking about Michael Jordan. They don't care where you sit. They don't want you to wear a mask. And we went a couple of times, just fell in love. And, you know, that church that had 80 people there, uh, we now have 4,600. Cool. It has just grown because it's biblical only. I told my wife it better Praise be a God. biblical church. I want no religion. In fact, the word religion itself means re-legion. And legions are demons. You know, yes. so, there's so many things happening. Like demons refer to themselves as they, them. Has anyone ever really thought about that? Right. Like the, there's a great book called Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. I think everyone should read. Um, and it's fascinating. So we start going to this church and this is early 2021. And maybe the fifth or sixth sermon we went to, we were sitting there and Pastor Brad, who's the senior pastor, he's, he started the church years ago in a chiropractic office. And I, I told him, I want a cowboy church. I want just people praising God. I don't want any other nonsense. And he's I, go to a, I go to a cowboy church sometimes. Hallelujah. That is, that is where <laughs> God is found. It is. I've been to a couple. They're amazing. But I still go to mine because I love it. And, uh, and, and, and I remember sitting, this is, the, this is my testimony right here. This is where it culminates. So it's a good backstory. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of wind being blown there. Sorry, guys. No, it's uh, fascinating. But I'm sitting there in the same seat I sit in today. You know, in, in class, I sat in the back of the room. And in church, I sit in the very front row. And everyone knows where my seat is, where my family's seat is, where Brenda's seat is. We all sit together every Sunday. And I didn't know those people at the time. But Brad, was giving a sermon. I'd never met him in my life. He pointed at me, which he wasn't pointing at me. I don't want to be arrogant and say that, but he's pointing directly in my direction. He's giving a, a sermon. So he was, he was preaching. And he said, Jesus changed everything. And he kept saying it, Jesus changed everything. And the third time he said it, it felt like a lightning bolt hit me in the chest. I started to cry like a, like a baby. I had to leave. I went to the bathroom. Unfortunately for me, 
the bathroom has speakers. And he said, Jesus changed everything about five different times because our church has a very simple model. We help people meet and follow Jesus. And that's what I was looking for. And I lost it. I cried. I missed the whole sermon. I finally got myself together because I had my kids that are with me. There wasn't a, there was no uh, kids, kids ministry at the time. It was just the straight church. There was, it was a pandemic. I mean, people were scared to go and I lost it. And I went home. <laughs> I went home and for the next, um, for the next six weeks, I was on my knees right here in my bedroom just crying and saying, I'm sorry. Thank just apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry. Thank you, Jesus. How could I have not known who you were? How could I have been so arrogant? You know, someone asked me uh, in one of my, my live chats, I said, what would you say if you met Jesus? I didn't hesitate. And I said, I'm sorry. I'd apologize. I'm so sorry for what I've said, what I've done, who I've been, how I've run so fast from you. And my whole life has been broken down into these horrible moments, beautiful moments. And I always thought it was me. But it's always been you. And for six weeks straight, I was on my knees crying, just saying, I'm sorry. We still didn't have furniture at the time. And um, I was listening to a fireside chat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was on my knees in my living room, hardwood floor, bawling my eyes out. You know, this is right around, uh, you know, a couple months after the election, seeing how bad it was getting in this country. It was getting terrible in this country at the time. And I just kept praying, God, why won't the media tell the truth? Can they just tell the truth? And I thought that was the answer, right? If the media just told the truth, everything would be fine. I was totally wrong. And I felt four cold fingers touch the back of my neck. The day before, I had gone to, uh, everything was still kind of closed. I had gone to CVS and I bought a King James Bible. And I felt these four cold fingers touch the back of my neck. But it wasn't cold, like chilling cold. It was just calm. And I turned around and there was nothing there. The only thing that was there was a table with a lamp and my Bible. And I just walked back. I opened it up to Psalm 120. I was right where it opened. And I don't, I don't know the verse by heart, but it's about how God will handle deceitful tongues and how, how he will guide his people through these things and how he will punish the wicked for their lies. And if that isn't a God moment, I don't know what is. I really don't. That was right after I was you know, right in the middle of my six weeks of just, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I still can't say it enough. I still tear up when I think about it now, just how sorry I am for what I was. And then things started to change. And then I started to not care about me or or my success or my personal feelings and about two weeks after that i've been online and just trying to be just trying to learn things you know follow people and i kept hearing chats and i'd always raise my hand and want to talk about something and people started saying hey you should have your own channel and and i've been telling people through this whole time hey someone you know the the, the muslims pray at noon 
you know, they're praying to Allah at noon. We need to pray at noon as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I just kept waiting for someone to do it. And finally, somebody goes, why don't you do it? And I go, I've never prayed. I've never prayed in front. I was a quarterback in high school, so I said the Hail Mary in the locker room, but it wasn't really a prayer. It was more of a battle cry, right? And, um, you know, we finally got our furniture by that time, <laughs> thankfully. And I was sitting at home. I wasn't working at the time. I was just serving, just doing anything I could to help people. I was I was learning about, you know, counterterrorism and a bunch of other crazy things that just I would have never imagined myself doing, forming patriot groups, doing all this crazy stuff, just trying to help. I just didn't know. I didn't know how to, I thought, I, there's problems in this country. I have to try to solve them. I love this place. It's ordained by God. I love it. And then I, uh, I was walking down the hall one day and my wife goes, um, Hey, where are you going? And I go, I'm going to go pray online out loud. Uh, I don't, and she just looked at me weird and I go, don't worry. It, it'll be over quick. There won't be more than like, uh, if there's two people on here, it'll be a victory. And I logged in and we had 177 people on there within two minutes. And that's a specific number, 77 to end. And uh, and I prayed out loud for the first time in my life. It was probably terrible. I have never listened to, I've never listened to a prayer that I've done because I hate my voice. But I've been doing it every day since then. And um, um, I think last week was two years now. I've been doing it consistently. Every weekday at noon, with as many people who will pray, with as many prayer requests as you can give. I don't care if it's the same prayer request every day. I'm going to pray for you. And I silently pray for myself. I, I don't do it out loud. Uh, I'm very well versed that Jesus says, go into a, a room by yourself, close the door, get on your knees, and don't use lots of words like the pagans do. And, uh, and I had learned a lot of pagan things, so I understand that. And this prayer group that that i have you know if, if they're listening to this i love you all you you have you have been so influential in my life i don't know i don't know that i could have gotten through this uh period in life and be where i am today without learning from all of you and um ah, i'm so happy today <clears throat> so then i continue on with this prayer group for a few months and then my son comes up to me and he goes dad i just registered to get baptized in church and I said, man, that's amazing. He was 12 at the time or 11. And, and he got baptized. And, and, and I'm just a little flustered right now. So I can't remember the date. There's four specific dates we all got baptized on. They were all pertinent. And he got baptized. And then my wife got baptized on her birthday, which is probably the greatest birthday ever. And then I noticed that December 5th of 2021 was coming about. And then that's when I moved to Texas. We closed our house and moved in December 5th. And I said, they're doing baptism. I'm going. So I went and I filmed it. I don't know why I felt the need to do it, but I've probably watched it five times. Um, and I still can't keep a straight face. So I've been doing as much as I could to help other people and, and to help with the church. I don't know. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't, I'm not a church person. So just whatever they need help with, I'd help with. And Pastor David, who baptized me, you know, I got in the water. Oh, he just looked at me and said something that would have made my mother so proud. He goes, uh, we're all so proud of the way you way you lead your family. And I just looked at him and I go, can you please shut up and just dunk me before I cry? <laughs> and, uh, and he put me in the water. I came out and, and, and people say this all the time, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that people cried for joy until I had a son. 
I didn't, I didn't know when I had my first child, I thought people who cried for joy were just weak. I didn't understand it. There was weak. I had a baby boy and I lost it. I said, this came from us. <laughs> like God <laughs> gave us this child. And when I got out of the water, I just felt so light. I just felt so light. Like so many burdens had been lifted from me, you know, and, and I'd been going through, uh, you know, if, if you talk about God online or you try to be kind to other people online, people online attack you. That's what happens. I was going through a lot of these things and I don't care about them. You can attack all you want. I, I learned at that moment that the audience that I serve is now an audience of one. And your opinions of me do not matter ever again for the rest of my life. But it was such a beautiful moment. And when I got home, everything was amazing, right? Like lunch tasted better. I remember the, when I got glasses when I was like 14, that when I put glasses on, I was like, whoa, look at all these leaves. You know, I didn't know how many leaves were in a tree. And I could see like that again. I could, my, I just came alive. Just something was different. I, didn't, I wasn't excited. I'm a very calm person. And, but everything just seemed a little more beautiful. And ironically that later that evening, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a night person. My wife goes to bed. I come in later. For some reason I went to bed around midnight, which is early for me. And I went into bed. This is the craziest thing. I don't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I am. Uh, I heard a strange growling in my living room. Now I have, I now have two little dogs. My wife, my wife picks the dogs. Um, but we have a little Shih Tzu. I know what she sounds like when she growls. It is not that growl. This sounded like a bull oh. growling in my living room. So I grabbed my pistol. I walked around. I looked around the, the corner and I saw nothing. There was nothing there. And then I turned on the light and I heard doo -doo 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 -doo, and there was nothing there. And the room was freezing cold and my heart was pumping like I can't explain to you with fear. And you can think of that whatever you like. What I believe is that when you surrender to God and you give your life to Jesus, that the, that the, that the enemy attacks immediately. This was the same night. And this tremendous calm came over me. This is tremendous calm. The, just realizing, hey, you're a mist. This thing that we inhabit for you, that your spirit lives in is a mist. Do not be afraid. To this day, I'm terrified of that sound. Um, to this day, I understand what it is. You can draw your own conclusions of what it is. But I have heard what sounds like someone falling from a plane hitting my roof. I hear noises all the time when I pray. And they used to scare me and now they excite me because I understand what's happening, that they want to scare us into not believing. So I've continued with my prayer group. Uh, I began to I, I began picking up men's ministry. I minister to about 25 men every Wednesday. Um, I lead my children. Every every example. I didn't never did this. They thought it was weird in the beginning, and now they'll say, "Dad, this happened in my life. What does that mean biblically?" And our lives have been totally different. Along the pathway, a friend of mine, AJ. Came, I didn't know him from anywhere. He was from L.A. Our girls were friends at school. They came over for dinner. Uh, he's a Jew. We sat in my dining room for three and a half hours talking about God. A year later, he was baptized. He is now a Christian. Uh, I have seen so many things. I've seen atheists in a fireside conversation with someone. I have seen Jesus enter their heart. I have seen so many... They're not, I've never seen a Red Sea part, but I've seen a heart soften. I've seen souls change. I yes. have seen 
lives reversed. I have seen miracles that only God can create in people's lives. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so humbled at that. It has nothing to do with me. It just has to do with God. So then I started thinking, what do you do with this? What do you do with this newfound vision of life, this new outlook in life? So I really started getting into the Bible in like 2021, late 2021, early 2022. And I've always been completely enamored by the Beatitudes. You know, imagine walking 50 or 100 miles to hear the Son of God give his first speech to the world, announcing his ministry to the world. Just imagine sitting there. And when I started reading through it, you start seeing what he's talking about. You know, you have to read the Bible multiple times because every time you read the Bible, you're developing like a, a language that God can speak to. And I started realizing that these people are merciful and they all have Christ in their heart. These people are the sons of God. They're their protectors. You can see them in my military. I can see God in their life. And then as you advance past the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, you start getting into the salt light fish. And as that happened, right around that time, late 2021, early 22, uh, I'm really trying to get chronological with you. I'm really, I really don't pay. I don't even know what day of the week it is. I really don't care. Um, We have a certain finite amount of time. And uh, my first men's group that I went to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in things. And the question that they asked was, what does the kingdom of God mean to you? I'm a believer at this point, knew, always believed in God. Uh, always believed in the kingdom. And a bunch of guys answered questions like, well, the kingdom of God means going to a Bible study and this stuff. And it was just very shallow answers. Not not that they're wrong, not that they're I'm not trying to demean anyone. But for me, at that point in time, I've been hanging out with messianic Jews and biblical historians and guys who birthed the red heifer. Like I had, my life is a little crazy. Like, a, you know, a, interesting story. So the second prayer I did on Patriot Prayer, right before that, I got a call from a lady named Trupti, who I met at, a, at an event four months before we were talking and we were at a Kingdom Life Church in Frisco, Texas. And I said, you're very interesting. Like, let, let's go in that room and talk. And we talked, we, we prayed together, we were weeping together. And she told me, this doesn't sound crazy to you, but God speaks to me. And I go, you have no idea what I would consider crazy. I do not consider that crazy at all. Uh, The things I've seen and what I've been through. And I didn't hear from her again. And before my second Patriot prayer at 1155, I get a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And she says, hey, this is Trupti. Do you remember me? And she's she's a wonderful lady. And she goes, she's also uh, Indian, South African, very, very recognizable accent. I go, "I, I do remember you. She goes, I know you're going to think this weird. And I go, don't you remember our conversation? I don't think anything's weird. She goes, God told me to call you. And I said, that, I got to do a prayer right now. So I called her afterward and she's just been, for some reason, God connected her to me. She doesn't care to be known by anyone, but she calls me every week. This is what God told me, what God told me. She's predicted so many, like God literally speaks through her. She has no interest in being a prophet on YouTube or anything. And she's not a prophet. She's a messenger. I've met like 20 of these people in my life in the last, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. The people I've met in my life since I've given it to Christ, it's unbelievable that the, you know, people I used to meet are like, Oh, I could do business with them or oh they could get me this. And now I'm just like, what a beautiful soul. God, I can't wait to spend time around that person and just learn and just <laughs> love and pray together. So that's kind of a weird interlude. But when I went to this first meeting, 
you know, they asked that question and Pastor Greg knew me because after I had, after, after I had heard Pastor Brad say, Jesus changed everything, I actually went and researched it. And I said, okay, if he changed everything, I believe in him, but let's define the message. So I said, hey, can you guys have lunch with me next week? <laughs> I took all my pastors to lunch and I said, uh, you know, I won't go to a church that won't have open conversation. And you said Jesus changed everything. And I wanted to come here today and tell you you were wrong. And boy, were you right. So in the midst of the, the, the greatest darkness in the history of the world, God sends a messenger down from heaven for a purpose. He def Did he change everything? Yeah. A man was born in a manger. I actually, we're on video. I know this is audio, but I'm going to pull this out. I've been collecting these for years. These are called drachmas. These little tiny silver coins. These are the coins that were minted by King Assisius to finance the three wise men to find find the Messiah. I have one from Israel. There, I, I collect. I, I've had that in my wallet for about yeah. twelve years, and I give them. To, I, I collect them and I give them to people I love, even before I believed in Jesus. And and when, while I was sitting there talking to him, you know, I said, "Hey, listen, you were right. The Son of Man, the Son of God, was born." He defeated the most brutal empire in the world without unsheathing a sword. So much, in fact, that an emperor, Constantine, converted to Catholicism. And Catholicism is pretty much designed to diminish the power of Christ and to embellish the powers of the saints. I know because I went to the churches. Not that there's anything wrong with being Catholic. And then 300 years later, an illiterate man finds, stumbles across himself on a sand dune uh, to speak to another god named Allah. And if you read the Quran, which I have, uh, you will find out that the actual purpose is to destroy Christians and Jews, to subdue them to the powers of Allah, of Allah to install Sharia law on planet Earth. We're watching that. Okay, yeah. it's disguised, but we're watching that. Yeah. And that that conversation I had with him really was just kind of, he was he was astounded at how much history I knew. And now in this men's group, the first one, I'm the new guy. What does the kingdom of God mean to you? I didn't say a word. And at the end, he goes, Eric, you haven't said anything. I'm not. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, yeah, go to Bible study and do your stuff. It's great. And he goes, I really want to hear from you. And I go, do you really want to hear from me? <laughs> and he goes, yes. And I go, well, here we go. The kingdom of God, what does it mean to me? Well, what's the purpose of a kingdom? It's to expand and defend. That's what a kingdom does. It expands and it defends. The kingdom of God resides in heaven. The world got so dark at one point in time that God sent an emissary, which in all kingdoms, the emissary is always the prince. He sent the prince from heaven to earth to recruit 12 generals, to give them a battle plan to fight spiritual warfare for the rest of humanity. That's what the kingdom of God is. And it happens to be a book that anyone can access and a spirit that anyone can access if their heart is open to learn how to fight the spiritual warfare here on earth, which is how you remain innocent to get through the narrow gates and be as innocent as a child to God. And all mouths were open when I was done. It was a much longer, like 15 minute, um, you know, That's awesome. And I'm going to replay that and actually take some notes on that one. That's really good. Continue. Sure, sure. So in, in the middle of this, you know, all mouths were open. It was about 30 seconds of pure silence. And I was just like, okay, these guys are never going to invite me back. <laughs> And as I walked out, everyone came up to me and like, who are you? What is this? And I'm like, I, I normally, am in a, I was like, I'm just a guy in a hoodie. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting important. for that line. <laughs> I am not important. What I just said, I think maybe is, and I feel like God spoke through me. So, yeah. um, so I've, I've just built brotherhood with these guys for the longest time. It's interesting because our, 
our men's ministry used to be very shallow stuff like that. And now if I don't show up, they're kind of like, there's no depth. Where's Eric? I, you know, the, the rare times I miss it. Uh, so back to, to, to my testimony of, of you know, uh, Ron, you broke it down on email. I said, I don't, I've never given my testimony. I'm going to babble forever. I don't, I'm Muslim. I was nervous. This is great. This is great. And, Just and he, Ron said, it's pretty easy. Who were you before you were saved and who are you after? Yeah. Uh, who I was before I was saved is, it was a good person. I, I'm not going to say I wasn't, but I was a sinner and I didn't care. I did not care if I sinned. Who I am yeah. afterward um, is the same person, just more alert to eternity. I'm just more alert. I understand that eternity can be brought down from heaven any moment and that you're here for a finite amount of time. And I started really getting into the Beatitudes and I got to salt light fish. And I started noticing at this time in my life that I had become a better person. I had been gentler with people, more patient. I'm, I'm, I am such a, like born a type A. Uh, personality. I'm very patient with people. That's one of the biggest things that I could say. And you know, my entire family will tell you that. I've learned to be more quiet. I've learned to say less, but say more at the same time, to be more concise, to not speak and babble as the pagans do. And I really started getting into salt light fish, which is what I use on my, my Telegram channel. I'll be using it on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, what does that mean? So after I learned that I needed to become the salt of the earth. And salt is so multi-purpose. You know, it, it, I love the chosen because he explains a way I never thought of it, that salt protected meat from corruption. So one of the things of being salt is to protect others from corruption, to not be corrupt yourself and to help others protect from corruption, to shy them away from music they shouldn't listen to, to keep them from doing things, to alert them. It's, you can't do anything to change anyone else's life. All you can do is live yours. But I noticed as I started following, you know, salt is, it adds flavor. Obviously, that's clearly in the Bible. But salt is a conductor of energy. Salt is mixed with many different things to cure ailments. Salt water cures migraines, a pain in the brain. So when you look at that, because it's conducting energy. So I said, okay, well, what does salt of the earth mean? That's a very confusing line for people in the Bible. So protect from corruption, to add flavor to life, to conduct God's energy. And I started trying to be these things um, consciously, which is foolish <laughs> because consciously you cannot be anything but yourself. And you, more prayer you get into, I, just real, I'm, I mean, I pray before my feet hit the ground. I pray before my head hits the pillow and I pray at noon and I pray everywhere in between. And when I really started understanding how irrelevant I am in the grand scheme of the world and how irrelevant all of us really are, yeah. I started to realize that all glory goes to God. You know, good things happen. I was dead broke. You know, a nice house and these things. But I was dead broke. I was trying to figure out a way to to keep serving and pay my bills. And I prayed to God, God, give me a job just like this. And all of a sudden, I'm employed here. And God, lead me in this direction. All of a sudden, my life's back on track. I'm doing great things again. And everyone say, Man, you really did that. And I just consistently said, I did nothing. All glory to God who put me in this position. And when I learned to surrender that, that every I used to think that I had great thoughts. I used to think that I was smart. I used to think that I knew things. I know nothing. I am not smart enough to know the things I know. What happens is God goes, I have an idea for humanity. This person's lucky enough to get it. And you should do something with it every time that you breathe a breath. Yeah. And through that process, I started seeing things happening in my life. The better person I was, the more people were attracted to me. The more people that started saying, hey, how did you get here? That's when my my buddy Jeremy, who I, I love to death, hardcore atheist, we went to dinner and 
And his wife came over the day before and said, don't talk about God. And I said, don't try to censor me because I'll talk about God anytime I want to. If the time's appropriate, I'm not, a, I always tell people, don't preach to other people. That turns them off. Just live the way he instructed you to, and you will find, they will find you. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten baptized. So, you know, end of the day, don't talk about God. And first thing I did, he, he said, I'm doing this, that, and the other. I go, why do you think that is? And he goes, I don't know. I go, is it because you're trying to find God? <laughs> goes, that, we talked about this two days ago at, uh, on a Zoom together. And um, it was, it's just very interesting process along the way. So I started realizing that, you know, now I have these people who are truly blessed, like God literally speaks to them, tells them things, gives them information I don't know. And, he, and, and, I, and they come to me. I'm a nobody. I, I, I'm a nobody. And now I have people asking me to do interviews on their shows and be on Godcast and all these other things. I'm a nobody. I mean nothing. And at the end of the day, the, the thing that I've just learned is to give glory to him. And what that does is it allows your light to shine brighter. So I started seeing this and I'm, I'm sitting my, saying to myself, if you'd have told me five years ago, I'd been running a prayer group and I'd have been doing all these things and I wouldn't have been, you know, wrapped up in business and my own ego and all these other things. Why is this happening? So I started reading Salt, Light, Fishers of Men. And what I found ah, is so beautiful in, in what Christ came to tell us. Again, he, he came as an emissary to equip mankind for spiritual warfare that's occurring at this very, very moment at its peak of battle. Salt, light, fish, people confuse. I believe, and I may be wrong because I didn't write the book and I certainly haven't spoken to God, but I believe those are instructions for all of us. I believe that if you learn to truly be the salt of the earth, to be kind to others, to support them, to help them, I don't, I, I really don't care about me. If I can help somebody else at any given time, I certainly will. And many people will testify to that. And if you're out there and if I can help you, God, send me sick people to heal. Send me people in pain to relieve. Do whatever you can do. If you can learn to be the salt, then it's a conductor of energy. That's when God's light shines. And what are fish? I love to fish. You fish with shiny objects, a light that beams in the darkness in the depths. That's what attracts the fish to the hook. I believe that was what Jesus was saying. Because so many people, especially very new in their walk, they get, they get Christ in their heart and they want to go to every street corner and have you met our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, blah, 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 and I can't figure out why you don't follow Jesus. That doesn't work, especially in the modern world. And I think what Jesus was telling us 2,000 years ago when those coins were minted is that if you work on you and you become the salt, then your light shines brighter. And it attracts people to your lifestyle. And I've had so many people say, I still remember, I have a, uh, you know, I was in Los Angeles and I was a little league coach. I coached a lot of famous people's kids. And Angie Everhart's a friend of mine, she's a famous model. And I remember one day when I really started to, to get, to really search what God was doing in my life before I was a believer even. And she came up to me while I was watering the field one day and I turned around and I go, hey, Angie. And she goes, you look so relaxed. <laughs> like, what is that? And I just got done like meditating and stuff. So, um, you know, I started that, that, that moment kind of flashes back to me because there's not a person in the world pre being saved that would say I ever looked relaxed. I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a, a hard charger. And this salt light fish model has never left my mind is that, and that's how I'm going to open my new podcast in a couple of weeks is this exact same monologue is that 
everything that happens in your life, every bit of you can you can look at the news and you can get upset at what's happening in the world, but it doesn't matter. You can hear your children complaining about things and get upset. It doesn't matter. You can have a job you hate and go to it every day and it's making your it doesn't matter. You're a mist. You are put here for a very finite amount of time to figure out God's purpose. His initial purpose is for you to learn to be the salt of the earth, truly be helpful, to surrender to him, to give him your all, to give him your love. You know, he loves us. He loves every single person. And we feel so shameful. This world casts so much shame, so much guilt upon you that you never feel worthy of God's love. I didn't. For the longest time, I could not believe that God knew who I was and why. He knows who all he made every one of us. He sent every one of us here and he wants you to learn to be the salt so that your light shines brightly so that you can actually be the fisher of men. So if you're new on your walk or you're in your walk, everyone wants to bring people to the kingdom. If you have Jesus in your heart, you want to be Jesus's number one salesperson. You want to be the top earner for souls in heaven. <laughs> Get that out of your mind. That is what's causing people to run from the church. That is what's creating underground churches. That's what's creating the two or more activities in the world. Just be the salt, allow your light to shine, and the fish will look for the light in the darkness and continue to be the salt. And they will wonder, how in the world are you like this? And you see people change in an instant. It has been, if I died right now, I would I would be more fulfilled with the things I've done in the last three years, which are probably on a resume. Well, the last year and a half has been very good resume wise for work. It wouldn't matter. Just the people who've touched my heart, the people whose hearts I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to touch in some way. And the interaction of God in my life has been the pleasure of my lifetime. It's been the pleasure of my lifetime. I don't know how to describe, I don't know how to describe what that means in human words. I don't know. Um, I hope one day I do, but I don't think I ever will. And um, if anyone out there would, would ever just surrender everything to God for a moment, your life would change in an instant. That's my testimony. Beautiful. I I don't even know what to say. I'm just wow, very powerful. And you have brought glory to the Lord tonight in uh ways that you you may never even know. But thank also. you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. You know, we do a call for salvation here and uh on the Godcast and that could not have been stated more perfectly. Well, thank you for um thank you, Ron, for hunting me down and, and forcing me to to uh to do this. I've heard a thousand testimonies in my life. I've never given mine. That's my full testimony. That's that's who I am. I'm I'm just I'm amazed. I'm just amazed at God. I'm amazed at God working. The way that he works and his orchestration and i've wrote so many notes while you were talking i don't even we could spend another two hours talking about every like breaking down everything and the one thing i do want to say real quick is that um 
I loved overall that you didn't, you don't get lost in the weeds of, you know, I've heard you mention more than one time during your story about, well, some people say it's this and some people say it's that, but this is what I feel God is, is to me in this moment. And that you don't get lost in the weeds of legalism of being a Christian, of being a believer, being a follower of Jesus. I don't even like the word Christian sometimes, but I like the word disciple. You know, a disciple yes. is a disciplined follower of a master. That's what the definition of disciple is. The word Christian was actually a negative connotation used by the Romans to degrade yes. us. Yes. And I always choose the word disciple. Um, you know, nobody's an apostle. There's only 12 of those. Yes. Um, but there are but there are people in the church that give themselves that title. And that bothers me. And and I think that God is such a personal interaction. There's the Bible's great, right? It's the greatest book ever written. It's still a book. It's still the word yeah. of God in, in format. It's your relationship with him. It's it's your interaction with others. Are you know the one thing that I've continually tried to teach my kids is just, you know, spend your time with people who speak life into your life and not death into your life. Yeah, exactly. And we're called to do that. And I think that all of the restrictions that religion put on people diminish their ability to connect with God. He ha there is we are all imperfect. We are broken, we are flawed. And at the end of the day, God knows that. You, you cannot pretend to be perfect. God knows who you really are. And we live in a world that's covered by a veil and every soul on this planet is covered by their own veil. So in order to lift the veil and see the truth, you have to lift the one that's directly in front of your eyes and be who you are, regardless of the consequence or the opinion. So I don't, I don't, you know, I speak openly about these things. I get chastised by, you know, uber, uber religious constrictors is what I call them. We, you know, the church has become, we didn't learn anything from the Pharisees and Sadducees. We didn't learn anything. We just went from the Torah to the Bible, and then you have people who are still modern-day Pharisees and Sadducees judging your relationship with God. I will never judge your relationship with God because that's your relationship with God. And he yeah. understands who you are, and you connect with him when you live out who he made you to be. Yeah. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. Thank you. I just posted our um, – we have a verse here on the Godcast that we often um, talk about when we – give a call for salvation where people can call in and it's um romans 10 9 and 10. can i read that real quick please i think ron's open up the call lines has yes him. uh call lines are open if there's anyone here tonight that has not but would like to experience the grace of god and receive jesus christ as lord and savior please call in now romans 10 9 and 10 says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's two things right there. Remember that. Declare with your mouth and believe in your heart. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, and it's with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So anybody listening would like to have Jesus? In your life, accept him, surrender to him. The call lines are open. And if that, that's really, okay, you can yep. you can reach out to us at this is an official godcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Telegram at this is an official godcast. And if you reach out to Mary and I, we can call you on a more personal uh level 
and please do that if you're looking, if you have not been saved. Yes. Thank you, Eric, again. And I know we're, we're running up against a, a hard stop from Podbean in about five minutes. Yeah, we're running but up I, on time. I tell you, it was worth every single second. I am, I'm just amazed. And I know that I'm going to replay this several times. I know that um, I'm going to share it quite a bit. And um, for the first time of you giving your testimony in this manner, um, we're going to pray for more opportunity for that for you in the future. Well, thank you so much to both of you. God bless you all out there. God bless you too. I thank you so much for the opportunity and, and forcing me to do this. It's been, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it was awesome. Eric, well, if you can, you. please stick around. Uh, we're going to do an ending prayer and then a finishing song. And then uh, we'll say our goodbyes. And then if you'd like, please stick around afterwards here on Zoom. We'd like to just say goodbye to you in our own personal fashion. Uh, so Mary, if you'll close us out in prayer. Okay. I didn't see anybody's... Uh, anybody that had tagged me um while we were i was so enthralled with this testimony i really didn't pay attention but you know god knows <laughs> so we'll yes just, we'll and just for those listening that. if you didn't so, catch this is eric rice you can find him on telegram eric rice theory i'm sorry critical you. rice theory critical rice theory on telegram <laughs> yes. okay jesus thank you thank you for fridays thank you that we get to gather here and you've just created the space for us to be here and all glory goes to you all glory goes to you you changed everything just as eric was talking about you changed everything lord and we thank you we just it's just overwhelming it really is and lord i just i pray a blessing over eric and his family right now i just i pray it's over an abundance of opportunity for him to share what God, you know, what you've done in his life, Lord, and that um, we know that you'll bring those opportunities. And it's, it's salt, light, and fish. It just amazes me, Lord. So thank you for that. Just um, a blessing over Erica's health and his his finances, his friendships, his relationships, his his family, um, Lord, we just pray for even just a stronger bond with everyone that is just in his life, Lord, and keep bringing those little wonder-filled moments to him where he notices you in the way that you've already built him to notice you. So just thank you, Lord. And we wanna lift up anybody here that has any challenges with anything and that uh, may the health um just reign in your life may the kingdom reign in your life may jesus reign in your life and just thank you again lord in jesus name amen okay oh you're muted ron oh thank you thank you thank you mary <laughs> okay. it's a good thing you're here to watch me Yep, I'm here. I'm here. I've got you. I got your back. I'll get out of hand and Mario will just check me, get me right back on pace. Thank you so much for that. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us here tonight live. If you've joined us for chat, thank you so much. It was beautiful for you guys all to be here. And for those listening on the replay, please come and join us again next week, Saturday or Friday.
what day do we do this? Friday, 7 Friday, p.m. Friday. Podbean. I know we're Eastern also time. discombobulated. It's just a glory moment, I'm telling you. Tonight, Critical Rice Theory. Awesome testimony. Eric, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we so much look forward to seeing more of you, uh, both on Telegram, but also your new podcast when it comes out. We're so looking forward to that. Get more Eric Rice in our life. We all need a little bit more prayer, don't we? Yes. Well, thank you so much, guys. God bless you all. And uh, with that, I'll leave you, my dearest friends, let us not forget we're here for one reason, one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please get out there and tell that person that you love that does not know him your testimony. We'll see you next week, guys. It's all about Jesus, isn't it, Mary? It is all it about is. Jesus. All about Jesus. When they ask me for my testimony, I love this one. I'm Thank gonna you. tell them. I'm See you guys. Have a great weekend. When they ask me for my life story, I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna tell them. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, greatest love I found. All about Jesus, Jesus, He turned my life around. He's my savior, He's my friend. Jesus, Jesus. When they ask me the meaning of living, I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna tell them when they ask me the secret of this joy that's overflowing. I'll tell them, I'm gonna tell them it's all about Jesus, Jesus, greatest love I found. All about Jesus, Jesus, He turned my life around. He's my savior. He's my friend, Jesus, Jesus. This is good news, good news, good for you and me. This is good news, good news, come on and believe. This is good news, good news, for you and me. Jesus, Jesus. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, greatest love I found. All about Jesus, Jesus, He turned my life around. Oh, He's my Savior, He's my friend, Jesus, my Jesus. Let my whole life to heaven. Jesus, Jesus. All right, Godcasters, that's a wrap. Let's get out of here. It's Friday night. Let's yeah, have some we, fun. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, we got Bards FM going on right now. Kilt the Christian 1030 and then Fishers of Men at midnight. Everybody have fun tonight. Yeah, catch Conley on the replay. We, we, we bled over to his show, but you can catch him on replay. All right, good night, guys.